For some, the life of a stand-up comic might seem like a horror story in and of itself. With the endless touring, life on the road, greasy food, greasier hotels, planes, trains, automobiles, hot stage lights, drunken hecklers, it's a life of telling jokes, but never laughing at them. For one comedian, all of that was just a prelude to a night of genuine horror. Through a bizarre set of circumstances, stand-up comic Steve Oliphant found himself trapped in a waking nightmare, one from which there was only one way out, by giving in. Join me as one man recounts his harrowing ordeal about the night that comedy came face-to-face with the armies of the devil. This is a different kind of story for me, one that I like to call A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to Hell. Drinking whiskey in the kitchen and telling scary stories around the fire. Music, monsters, and mayhem, killers, cannibals, and cults, fearful fiction and furious fact, tall tales, and terrible truths. This is a scary home companion. The most important and transformative journeys in life always begin with a choice. For Steve Oliphant, it all started with a last-minute booking. Well, there wasn't a lot of time to think it over. There was a last-minute cancellation at this... It was a pretty big venue in Vegas, so my agent texted me because she knew I was up in Reno and this would be perfect. That's what she said. It was short notice, so I, I had to decide, like, right there because I had to get on the road. And, hell, once she told me how much it paid, I didn't even have to think about it. A little ironic I used the word hell right there because if I'd have taken a little more time, things might have been different. Steve Oliphant is funny for a living. That's his job, his chosen path. He has chosen to do comedy in the in the tradition of such successful comics as Jerry Seinfeld, Jim Gaffigan. Like them, Steve eschewed working blue. Instead, he liked to focus on the little commonalities between all of us, those, those little things in life that connected people past race and gender and age and culture and brought everybody together. Some comics rely on shock value or vulgarity, but not this one. Sure, Steve enjoyed a drink, or seven, who doesn't? But he had strong opinions on the wearing and not wearing of pants. Past all that, he remained the kind of comic that was not going to embarrass you in front of your kids or your parents or teach young ones new and exotic profanities. That just wasn't his style. And he'd honed this style by performing hundreds of shows over the years. To quote a famous philosopher, Steve Olivas had seen a million faces and rocked them all. 
even if you might have rocked some of them gently. When Steve got an offer through a trusted source, and for such an amount of money, he didn't think to question it. It was a great opportunity. This was one 45-minute set in which he would make more than in a week of smaller shows. So if there's any question as to a man of intelligence and common sense would walk so blindly into such a strange situation with so little information about it, the answer is confidence. With so many shows under his belt to so many different types of audiences, Steve Oliphant knew how to work a crowd. He knew he could walk into any room in the country and find a way to get a laugh. He knew this because he knew the little ridiculous things in life like airline food and married couples bickering with each other. These things transcended all of the more arbitrary barriers that humans put up between themselves. That he did not know what kind of convention this was really made no difference. It would not matter if it was dentists or legal assistants, IT people, single moms, Democrats, Republicans, Libertarians, Star Trek fans. Steve knew he would kill in front of any audience. But he'd never seen nor even pondered the existence of an audience like the one that awaited him that night. It turns out it was just a typo. When my agent, hi Marnie, when she sent me that text, she actually meant to send it to a different guy. His name is Steve Olivier. A lot of people mess up our names just out on the road anyway, but I figured this is my agent. She ought to know the difference. He runs in a pretty different circuit than I do. Nice guy. He's got a lot of metal in his face, that kind of guy. But he's super nice. So that's how the wrong comic, the wrong Steve, ended up there. But where was Steve really? He had arrived barely an hour before his set was to begin. So he had no time for sightseeing or exploring the convention center around him. It appeared, at first glance, to be a, a horror con of some kind. But Steve... He was in a hurry. He had precious little time to prepare, so he went straight to the bar and started drinking. He did not notice in his hurry that it was called the Crossroads Bar. Nor did he notice that tall, gaunt, cadaverous man perched on the nearby bar stool. A man who would soon approach Steve with a suspicious offer. Can you do your job better when you're tense? No, of course not. Everybody performs when they're loose and relaxed and in the zone. So yeah, a couple of pre-show cocktails isn't a crutch, it's a ritual. It's like stretching before you run. You're almost dumb not to. So anyway, like seven Irish car bombs wasn't the best choice, but in retrospect, at the time, everything seemed fine. So I'm sitting there going over my set list, and that's when the guy came up to me. He said his name was Mr. Ash. Mr. Ash was a tall, thin man, a spindly scarecrow 
with stick-like limbs poking out from under a suit fit for a funeral. He had a gleaming bald head and thick eyebrows as black as night, a jewel-encrusted goat's head on his walking stick perfectly matched the one hanging on a silver chain around his withered, emaciated, vulture-like neck. Mr. Ash proceeded to pay Steve's tab. He seemed to know an awfully lot about the comic, more than he should have. He explained, This is mine. This whole convention is for me. You are here for me. And so I wish to make you an offer, Steve Oliphant. I want you to walk the dark path with me. Uh, yeah, he was creepy. No doubt about that. <laughs> but if I didn't drink with creepy guys, I'd never go to any bar anywhere ever. So anyway, he said that if I killed the set, I could join him. It was a challenge. He challenged me, made it seem like I was over my head and I couldn't go out there and kill. So I explained to him that I can get a laugh in any room in the country and probably a couple other countries. So he wanted to wager on it. And I found myself shaking hands with him like Faust. I don't even know what we wagered on. He said if I went out there and killed, he kept using that word. He would give me money and shows and whatever. He didn't say what would happen if I bombed. So I asked him, hey, Ashy boy, what happens if I die out there? And he smiles at me, just creepy, and says, if you die, you die. At which point, I took a good look around, and all of a sudden it hit me. I realized where I was. For three days every year, this particular convention center becomes the center of hell on earth. Officially, like, that's registered as a trademark. Annually, the Hell on Earth Conference is the largest single gathering of Satanists, occultists, and devil worshippers in all of North America. Hundreds of different temples, churches, covens, and sects send their best and brightest all to one place at one time. It's a, it's a meeting of the minds, so to speak. A meeting of the darkest, most dangerous minds in the country. They all come together once a year, this, this dark circle, to share ideas and indulge in ritualistic camaraderie. Steve wandered through the convention center like a lost lamb, trying to take it all in. There were live displays of horrific body modification. He saw a man being branded with a pentacle-shaped iron. A cadre of supplicants hung themselves from hooks through the skin in their backs. There was a nude woman whose torso had been tattooed into a living Ouija board. Witches ran in packs of pure alpha, and satanic scholars knelt in eldritch prayer. And all around were clusters and groups of people in crimson robes and scarlet masks, 
Merchants at tables sold daggers with handles made from ropes of human hair and aromatic candles tinged with menstrual blood. But then, in the midst of pure pandemonium, Steve saw a sliver of hope. So I saw a poster for the headliner, the guy I'm opening for, right? And it's a Liberace impersonator. And not just a Liberace impersonator, but the Liberace impersonator. He's the king of Liberace's, or the, <laughs> or the queen, as it were. But uh, Liberace, and this is deep on his Wikipedia page, I found out, he was super into Satanism. Like, he was literally one of the first members of the Church of Satan. <laughs> These cats love them some Liberace. And I thought, ah, if they're that into Liberace... How scary can it be, right? From across the crowded, debaucherous room, Steve saw Mr. Ash. The man seemed to chuckle and rub his hands together before beckoning to Steve because the time had come. Showtime. Parting the sea of evil with a wave of his hand, Steve followed the sinister old man backstage. He'd hardly arrived to stage left when he heard his introduction ring out through the massive concert hall. He walked out on stage to a tepid round of applause. He took the microphone stand in his hand and he looked out into the crowd. The place sat a thousand, but through the back, behind the last row, it was standing room only. There must have been twelve, thirteen hundred people there. And all of those faces stared back at him, watching, waiting, judging. And so he took a deep breath and he took a fearless look inside of himself. You see, in everyone's life, there comes the moment where we have to make a choice to kill or to die, to stand up and fight, or to roll over and take it in the hindquarters. Well, on this day, on this stage, at this moment, this comic, Steve Oliphant, did not know the meaning of the words, take it in the hindquarters. Instead, he decided to make history. He decided to make Mr. Ash choke on his sinister offer and kill this terrifying crowd down to the last man. Steve didn't have any material for this particular type of crowd. And so the veteran comic reached deep into his bag of tricks and he started to riff. Hey, how is everyone? Thank you. It's great to see so many beautiful faces, so many beautiful tattooed faces out there, and necks and, and eyeballs. Thank you, sir. Oh, sorry, ma'am. He talked about soup. He talked about the price of movie tickets. He talked about grocery shopping. He told an anecdote about the time he met Sammy Davis Jr. And that was when the icy crowd started to thaw 
Steve Oliphant never knew of Sammy Davis Jr.'s history with the Church of Satan, of his friendship with Anton LaVey, nor of his attempt to make a major network sitcom based on the principles of Satanism. But it didn't matter. That's how locked in Steve was that night. Was it skill? Or was it just blind luck? Or do certain men, certain heroes, have the raw natural ability to bend luck to their will and to make fate their bitch? By the sheer fact that we're all standing here and the ground doesn't crack open and drag us down into the fiery depths, I mean, that obviously means none of us have gotten it right yet, right? Better luck tomorrow, guys. This crowd, these people, had come in expecting a known quantity. A comic who regularly played to this set and played into the anger that they all shared at how much Christians and Catholics and other mainstream religious people had besmirched their entire culture, their beliefs, and what they really stood for. Instead of getting that, instead of getting a comic based on tirades of righteous hate, these people found quite the opposite on this night. A tremor passed through the crowd. Astonished faces began to look at one another through the darkness, exchanging glances that said, Holy shit! This guy's really funny! A man who had found success in the little moments of life proved the worth of his skill. Never before had a comedian allowed these people, with their dyed hair and their work-unfriendly tattoo choices, with their non-mainstream religious practices and their unusual beliefs, he allowed them to connect to one another through sharing those hilarious observations about day-to-day living that we all have in common be it Church of Satan, or the Black Temple, or Lucifer's Order, or the Shrike Society, be they Disciples of Baal, or Beelzebub, or Mammon, or Mighty Cthulhu, be it Witch, or Warlock, Supplicant, or Scholar, the Lustful and the Chaste, the Wicked, and the Slightly Less Wicked. Steve was bringing them all together. I've never been to hell, but I did spend a weekend in Tallahassee, one layover. And I've had to clean goat's blood off my hardwood floors. I mean, come on. That's pretty close. And they don't make a Swiffer for that stuff, either. For a lot of people, it's weird hanging out with non-believers. Non-Satanists. I call them infidels. I'm kidding. But anyway, the first couple times you're hanging out with an infidel, there's always that moment when religion comes up. And it's weird. For a lot of people, it's weird. I know. But I, I grew up with a family of attorneys. Satanism's pretty damn respectable compared to that. The laughter began in the corners of the room, as laughter so often does. Like a virus, laughter starts on the fringes, and as it builds in strength, and as it takes over more carriers and hosts, it moves into the heart of the population center. These unsuspecting people had not been inoculated against Steve's innocuous style of comedy, his witty asides and good-natured rejoinders, his wholesome approach to life somehow slipped past their natural defenses. These people, this crowd, they were not unlike the Indian tribes of old, 
completely unprepared for this type of sickness. And Steve Olivas was the army handing out infected blankets of comedy. He was Steve Fluenza. He was Steve Bola. He was H.I. Steve. You know what I think? <clears throat> and this is just me talking here. I'm not trying to stir the pot or whatever, but I think we'd bypass a lot of angst if we dropped hail from Hail Satan. Like, historically speaking, if you preface anybody's name with hail, it's just not that awesome. Caesar, Hitler, Hail Hydra. <laughs> it's the wrong tone. What if we said, like, praise or tribute or, or big ups? <laughs> big up, Satan. That's a little bit informal, but if we can get the satanic high five over, uh, like uh, with a few musicians or athletes, like I think it's going to catch on. But the Hail Satan bit, come on, we can do better, people. Thanks, everybody. Tip the wait staff and drive safe on the way home. Have a good night. It was the longest standing ovation I've ever gotten. Long story short, I'm booked again for next year, headlining. So the shoe, nay, the rhinestone slipper, is on the other foot. Liberace's going to open for me. True to his word, Mr. Ash offered a contract to Steve. Not only to headline the following year's Hell on Earth convention, but to perform at a half dozen other major conventions and events in between. It was a very lucrative offer that presented more and more opportunities to Steve over the next six months. Thanks to the connections Mr. Ash had with the occult media, Steve Olivas received an onslaught of coverage. Pentacles and Pentagrams wrote a rave review of the set, giving it five out of five upside-down crosses. South of Hollywood called him One to Watch. Beel's BuzzFeed ran a sit-down interview with him and gave him the nickname The Devil's Stand-Up. In Touch Weekly listed him in their up-and-comers section, and I know, I'm as surprised as you. I had no idea In Touch Weekly was a satanic publication. His career surged to unforeseen heights, and he owed it all to Mr. Ash. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I totally missed the situation. It turns out he wasn't the devil at all. He was just a promoter. Sweet guy. Nice teeth. Very generous. Anyway, after that night, five. That was my limit on Irish car bombs. Since Hell on Earth was the largest convention of its kind, word began to spread very quickly throughout the community. Steve Oliphant was now the first ever family-friendly satanic stand-up comedian. And he was a smash. Finally, parents of the occult could bring their kids along with them for a show. Before he knew it, he was getting offers for more bookings than he could possibly handle. When Steve Oliphant woke up that morning, he was a hard-working comedian, grinding through the Nevada stand-up circuit. But when he went to sleep that night he had become the hottest act in satanic comedy. Steve is currently touring Scandinavia with Nordic black metal bands Razormouth Throat Punch and Filth Sandwich, 
but is expected to return to American audiences soon. <laughs> Thank you for listening to A Scary Home Companion. This episode, the role of Steve Oliphant, was played by my guest, Steve Olivas. Steve is an entertainer, a speaker, an author. In his spare time, he manages to be Twitter famous and be a podcasting machine. Currently, Steve hosts no less than three different podcasts, Wrong and Wronger, 10 Minutes to Save Your Marriage, and the commute. In reality, Steve is not the world's most famous satanic comic, and any similarities between any other Steves, living or dead, is purely coincidental. Also, thanks to Jeff Davidson, who served as comptroller for this episode. The opening jingle is called Diablos from Purple Planet. The outro is Return to the Black Star by Deep Space Destructors, who you can find on Free Music Archive. As always, our opening title is by Chelsea Oxendine. Chelsea at YouTube. Comments and feedback are always welcome, unless you're me. Send it to a scary home companion at gmail.com. Until next time, go with Satan. <laughs>